I think it's important that, you know, when we serve God, it, it's so important to me that we read the Bible. I, I would say there's two ways to read the Bible with and without the Holy Spirit. I think there's, you know, it, it's so sad because we all have the same book. There's hundreds of religions. Dudes are crazy. I mean, people will literally kill each other over a Bible or over beliefs. It's pretty sad. But just because we all read the same book doesn't mean we all have uh, the same experience as the book intends. We can't read a Bible that was written by men and women that really encountered God and try to read it with your earthly mind and think that's going to do anything for you. It doesn't work that way. We must read the Bible the same excuse me, the same way it was written, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, under the guide of the Father. And so when I got born again, it was, for me, it was like I wanted to know the Lord. I wanted to know the God of the Word. I wanted to read the Bible without preconceived understanding. Are you with me? A lot of times what you know can hinder you from what you need to know, right? A lot of times we were really mistaught in many ways. And and, 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 you know, we find ourselves reading a Bible that we don't really experience or we don't understand. I will tell you that the Bible is meant to have experience with it. It's important that we understand, you know, years ago here in, the, in this building, this very property was the Great Awakening. You know, when these men would preach and the power of God would fall, hearts would be convicted, many people would come to Christ. And what happens is... Preaching, you can either preach with the anointing or you can just scream at somebody like you're nuts. Hello? And what happens is over the years, especially in New England, man, people want that result. And they just think if their, you know, religion is cranky, man. And people think if they just hammer you with the Bible or somehow scream something, then it's going to change hearts. That's never the case. And so now you have people that think, well, preaching only is really what's going to make a difference. It's not going to make any difference. Words are dead unless Christ brings life and touches your heart through them. Does that make sense? And so it's important that we understand. In John 5, Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father do. There's a union in being sensitive to what the Lord is doing in every situation and really wanting to do what he's doing at the moment. You know, uh, Wimber used to say, see what God's doing and bless that. And I've learned in every situation, find what God is doing and then make sure you know what he's not doing. If he's not giving grace on something, have a back up. If he's moving in this area, go to it, you know. Um, ministers, people that are really successful, it's, it's very easy. Do a meeting. You know, Pastor Ronnie would always tell me, do a meeting, see who God's already touching, and then go there and bless them. It's not a hard situation. And we've got to learn in life to really move with the Lord and be sensitive so we can experience the peace and the blessing and the touch of God and all the things that the Father wants us to have. In Luke 5, turn with me to Luke chapter 5. I, you know, there's two stories this week that God really opened my eyes to. And, and it really is about, uh, it, it's, it's about the power of God. It's about allowing a lifestyle of power to transform our lives and, and not get stuck in religious mindsets. Even in a church like this, it's so easy to get stuck or caught up on things. And I want to read, I'm going to share with you two uh, brief stories. And, and really, they're, they're kind of connected. And it's about how the goodness of God can transform our life. How witnessing God's power can transform our life. You know, more than religion or all the things that, you know, that, 
that, that uh, you want to hammer yourself could ever do. Does that make sense? Some of you, it's easy to sing, he's a good father, and then the minute you do something wrong, you feel horrible, and you allow shame and guilt to run all over you, and you just don't have, you don't even serve God right. It's just because you fail doesn't mean you're a failure. That's not what the grace of God is for in our lives. Yes, we want to live holy and live like Jesus, but we've got to learn to embrace his goodness so it transforms us at the end of the day. Luke 5, calling of the first disciples, Jesus... um, is, you know, the Bible says they went out, verse 3, he got into one of the boats, which was Simon. Jesus now went into one of the boats. He saw two boats there, verse 2. He got into the one of the boats, and he began to teach. Verse 4, when he stopped speaking, he said to Peter, Simon Peter, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Jesus knew ahead of time that these people fished. They were fishermen's. He knew ahead of time that they were fishing all day and didn't catch anything. He understands when he's asking you to do something that you might not have done it before. In verse 5, Simon said to him, Master, we've toiled all night and we caught nothing, but nevertheless, at your word, I'll let down the net. Here's what's really interesting. Jesus asked them to put the nets out, plural. And Peter responds and says, I'll let down my net. Keep in mind that many times God is so far longing for you to do above and beyond and more that you could ever imagine. Many times we stop short and don't stretch for everything that he's calling us to do. So he said, "Uh, Master, we've toiled all night and caught nothing, but nevertheless, at your word, I'm going to let down the net. And when they'd done this, they caught such a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they, they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they began to fill both boats, so they, be, they both began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell down on his knees, saying, Depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. And for he and all that were with him were astonished at the catch of fish. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, and those with Simon. And Jesus said, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. A couple things to note in here I want to really open your mind to. Number one, when we think of God wanting to touch people's lives in the harvest, Jesus linked it to a net-catching fish. What do I mean? It's broad. When we think of what God wants to do, we need to link it back to what he originally said. You are now going to be a fisher of men. Meaning, look at the boat and all the fish and the net and, and, and that type of blessing. This is what I want you to do in changing lives. Somehow we've reduced it to thinking, well, we just, it's, you know, it, it will be a trickle, but that's not God's best, friends. God is a God of more than enough, and he's a God of abundance. And, and Peter saw both, net, both boats beginning to sink when he let down the net. And immediately the Lord told him, this is just a picture of what I'm calling you to. And I want to tell you is a picture of what God is wanting you to do. That we have got to see ourselves doing more, seeing more, touching more, reaching out. In seeing our lives challenged and changed in so many ways. The boat began to sink. Really, if you think about it, it was, a, uh, it was a miracle of provision. He didn't catch anything all day. God let down the net. And he was a fisherman. And let me just tell you something, man. I, you know, there's jokes that run around. You talk like a sailor. I, I would almost tell you fisherman is just as crazy, okay? The, Tammy's grandfather was a fisherman. Friends, these people are scary. They cursed every other word. They would fight you in a heartbeat. I mean, they're just a rough bunch. And, and imagine Peter like a fisherman. It's just a rough bunch. 
and he fished all day, caught nothing. The Lord said, let down your net. He let down the net, and here comes a harvest that really shocked Peter. Peter sees the harvest, and he says what? He falls down on his feet and says, depart from me, for I'm a sinful man. Here's what's interesting about this scripture. He was never preached to. Nobody ever told him he was, a, he was a bad sinner and he needed to repent. Nobody ever preached this angry message that you'll hear in most uh, places all over New England because they want it to be like the Great Awakening. There was no message preached. Nobody yelled at him and confronted him to change. But yet he fell at Christ's feet and said, I'm a sinful man. Depart from me. I'm not even worthy. What am I telling you? I'm telling you that the goodness of God's power will bring you to repentance. I'm telling you that his goodness will transform our lives. If you really have an encounter with him, you're not even going to want to go back to your life. If you really touch heaven, you, nobody has to tell you that you're horrible. That's not even how God works. You don't serve God and give everything because you're scared. When I met him, I never wanted to go back to drugs. I never wanted to go back to living crazy. I just wanted to give everything I could to a God that was miraculous and more than enough in my life. And Peter literally in this moment gets transformed into one of the most powerful disciples. And it happened because of an act of God's power and his presence. You know, the Lord told me very clearly this morning that we're about to see displays of God's power that are going to cause people to tremble back to God. That we're going to see God's demonstration in the days ahead that it's going to cause people to just fall back in love and just give everything. It's not going to be your earthly words and your debating at work and all this, you know, just death. It's going to be God's presence and power that's going to cause you to want to give everything. I didn't think flies could be alive right now in the winter. But it's important that you understand that it's God's supply in your life. It's his miracle provision. It's what he's done for you that I believe can transform your life if you give him an opportunity. The Bible says the way of a transgressor is difficult. People don't need to know that their lives are difficult. The chances are most of the people that don't serve God, they don't have peace. They don't live with joy. They don't live with, uh, with, the, with the blessings that we have as, as children of God. And so it's important to realize that it's his goodness that's going to transform our life. The more you encounter him, the more you fall in love with him, the more you change. The more we gl take a glimpse of him, our lives are transformed. It's, one, it's that touch. It's one glimpse. It's, you know, I felt like I could get carried away this morning. and it's that, it's that atmosphere that causes everything to change. But we live in a society that wants you to feel like you're not good enough or somehow you're, you, know, you need to do something different or you're always asking, what did I do wrong? You remember the people were sick and they asked the Lord, whose fault is it? We live in a world that just wants to find blame. Maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe I'm horrible. Maybe, well, maybe he's good enough. And maybe his goodness can transform your life and cause you to never be the same again. See, a lot of people... See, here's the deal. We feed the poor here. We help those that are helpless. That is non-threatening, friends. That is non-threatening. Listen to me. The world can do that. But you start talking about the power of God, it's offensive. There are people that have changed their message because they don't want to offend. The power causes you to make a decision. You're either for or you're against. You follow what I'm telling you? you we could, I could put all my money into lights and advertising and smoke machines and all the things that make you feel good and I could tickle your ears every week. I know how to do this. And you could pack this place out and be the coolest thing out. That is not what I want. 
Because you're not making a decision that's going to change your life. Power costs something. And it will cause you to make a decision for or you're going to make a decision against. But it's going to divide. And division isn't always bad. But so many people walk away from that lifestyle because it causes them to make a decision. It costs everything to live the life that Christ wants you to live. But, but it really costs nothing at the end of the day because what is the alternative? So the most miserable person on the earth is someone that has an understanding of God, but they're not living for him. You're the most miserable person that ever existed on the face of the earth. The freest person is the one that lives free in God's presence, in power, and they're not controlled by religion, and they're not beat down by, you know, because you end up just trading in one bondage in for another. Great, you don't murder anymore, but now you're getting murdered in the church. I mean, it's just, it's just one, it's one thing after another, but when you live free, it costs. Peter, you're going to make a decision. I gave, you a, 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 I gave you a miracle of provision. You are a dirty little fisherman. What are you going to do? Are you going to give everything to follow me? He didn't even have to say it. The miracle is telling you to make a decision. This atmosphere we have every week challenges us to make decisions, to make a choice. I want freedom. I want power. I want all that God has. Peter, make a choice. And if your choice is no, that's fine. My provision is still here for you when you want it. But make a choice. Power, man, dude, it's controversial. I have a book written. God moved in this place. a couple. He always does. But a couple years ago, remember the fire in the streets, all this stuff? I started writing a book about it. Let me tell you something. I can't get, I can, I won't publish a book. Because every single big publisher that you buy books from that are all cheesy, by the way, they, they, they tell me revival doesn't sell. Or they tell me, listen to me, I won't, I won't have any of this. God visited me and he gave me a message. I'll, I'll publish it myself. I don't need an advance to change. Oh, I'll give you this money if you change. I'm not changing anything. I don't need to appeal to the, I don't want the whole world. I'm not going to water my message down so I could get more money and just, you know, touch all the old people. You follow what I'm saying? It's not going to happen, dude. It's not going to happen. I want to touch old people. It's not going to happen. For me, it's about power. It's going to cause you to make a choice. And if we're going to have, if we're going to know who Jesus really is, then we're not going to, I'm not going to fake something through. And most of what I, I mean, I, most of what I see is sickening in churches because there's no commitment. There's no call. There's nothing. It's a bunch of control and manipulation. And, you know, I mean, I'm, honestly, it's unbelievable. Somebody said something about one of you in here this week. Well, you know, he came from this church. Who cares? And all of you are free to go anywhere you want next week. I could care less. Do you understand me? You're free. I'm not going to membership you to control your money and get out of Dodge. That's religion, and God can do nothing with that. You know what I want? The power that causes me to give everything. I want the encounter with God that caused me to never want to go back to that junk. Why would I live any other way? There's only one way to live, and it's free. And Peter, he was a messed up dude, man, and he just fell right at his feet and said, my God, you came here and asked me to do something I already did today. But because you said it, I did it. And now both boats began to sink with provision. I, I, why would I live any other way? I've tasted of your goodness. I'm convinced. I'm sold. I want no other life but this life. Whatever you just did here, I want that forever. And I'll give everything for that. 
He captures his heart and his lifestyle followed. I'm telling you, we're going to see great displays of power that are going to cause people to give everything. They're going to give, I mean, give everything for the, for the gospel. And it's not going to be manipulation or control. You feeling like you're horrible. You can come on up, Sarah. I'm going to share this one more story. Luke chapter 9. Luke 19, turn there. Man, you guys, I'm going to encourage you to read the Bible differently in the days ahead, man. We can't just keep regurgitating this, this stuff that doesn't have power. Luke chapter 19. This is even crazier. Verse 1, it's the story. So basically, well, let me read it to you. Jesus entered, passed through Jericho. Behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich, and he sought to see who Jesus was. But he couldn't because of the crowd, for he was a short stature. So basically, let me tell you something. Here's a tax collector, probably below a fisherman. These people, and it's not even, this isn't assumption, this isn't politico. These people took advantage of everybody's money. They stole from them. They were thieves. If you were a tax collector, you were a flat-out thief. And here comes Jesus. And this man is not tall enough. He can't see over the crowds. Right? I'm pretty short. I get it. You know what I mean? I'm the last one to know it rains. He can't see. That was a joke. And see, y'all still aren't even getting it. He couldn't see over the crowds, and he had an idea. This is, a, this is a dirty man, and his idea was to run up a tree just to get a better view of Jesus. And verse 4, he ran ahead, climbed a tree into a sycamore tree to see him because he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up, and he saw him, and he said, Zacchaeus, make haste, come down here. Basically, he was like, bro, we're about to have lunch today. You want to talk about an act of honor? Let me tell you something. Everybody wants lunch with Jesus. Again, here we go. There was no message. There was no, he didn't go up to Zacchaeus and say, leave everything and do this because you're not good enough and you need to do this and this and then maybe I'll love you. It was the hunger of a man that said, man, I just want to look at him. I just want a glimpse. I just want to take a look at what everybody is talking about. Jesus walking with multitudes, look at a man in a tree, knows the story, calls his name and says, I know, I know there's thousands and thousands of people around me. Bro, I'm coming to your house tonight for dinner. That's what's on the agenda now. Do you realize that hunger can cause him to stop all of his plans and change your life? Do you realize that desire, no matter how horrible you feel or how messed up you feel or how hard it's been, hunger, just desire alone. God, I need you. I want a glimpse of you. He'll stop everything. He'll listen. He'll change. He'll bypass the whole world and raise you up to do miracles because you have that heart for him. And there was no message preached. He didn't say anything to. He didn't come out of his way and say, Zacchaeus, you're not good enough. Oh, rebuke that man. He needs to repent before I could ever spend time with him. Absolutely not. He does the greatest act of honor by looking at someone's heart. And salvation came to his household. He says, Zacchaeus, I'm going to come to your house and, and eat with you. So he made haste, came down, verse 7. When they saw it, they all complained and said, this guy has gone to be a guest with a man that's a sinner. 
verse 8. Here we go. Here's repentance. Zacchaeus. No one forced him. He didn't go to all the controlling churches that y'all came from. He wasn't bound and busted up like some of y'all were. There was no, there was no, you better or else. Zacchaeus in verse 8 says, stood and said, Lord, look. Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor. And if I took anything from anybody by false accusation, I will restore it fourfold. That's revival right there if you've never seen it. said, you know what, God? I'll do it. You're so good. You would bypass millions of people to call me out of a tree to have a meal. Look, I'm done. All I wanted was to see your face. Now I get to have a meal with you. And little did Zacchaeus know salvation came to his household. This is how this thing works, man. If Jesus, let me just tell you, like, if Jesus Christ came to your grandfather's house, we'd still be talking about it. Do you understand me? If he came to your great-grandfather's house, I mean, people in New England are like, yeah, my great-great-aunt, side-cousin, left-uncle was Jonathan Edwards. Well, you're so far removed, you're not cool anymore. Do you understand me? If your great-grandfather was Zacchaeus, I, uh, if your great-great-great-grandfather was Zacchaeus, we'd still be talking to you. Because your great-great-great-grandfather decided to look at a man, just wanted a glimpse of the guy they called Jesus, just to see who he was. And he climbed a tree to make room to see Christ. And because of your great, great, great grandfather's faith, your whole household is blessed. Because I decided to change my life, my future generations are blessed. Because you've decided to touch heaven, your future generations are blessed. They'll talk about you for your future generations. We'll do everything we can to get lunch with Jesus, but just be pure. People manipulate, they pay, they do everything you can. They try to do this this book, this self-help. They'll do this, they'll do everything they can. They, they, everybody wants lunch with Jesus. He just wants, he just wants you to be real and pure and whole. He just wants you to desire him. I see a different pattern than religion. I see a far, far different pattern than the abuse that they call Christianity. But I'm going to tell you what the pattern was. Change lives. Men that never went back to living crazy. People that touched heaven and never went back to crooked ways. Peter gave everything. It says in Luke 5, the last verse, they left everything and followed Jesus. Those results are going to come by the goodness and the presence and the power. We're not here because somehow we got guilted into it. And I honor all of you for being here because you had to get over some white stuff. Think about how stupid we're even talking right now. And all these people have stayed home because, because of what? Because something stopped them. Hello. Man, we need to be hungrier than ever before. Because God is going to visit the hungry. He always has and he always will. If we walk around this earth like we're full of our own religion, he can't do anything for you. And unfortunately, many of you are just a victim of, of abused Christianity, and you've never really touched it. I went to my buddy's house one time. He had a, he had a boxer. You know, the dog was like this tall. I mean, it basically looked at me eye to eye. 
Pastor Sarah would have been eye to eye. Or the dog would have looked down on her, one or the other. The dog was huge. And I was, to be honest with you, I was a little scared of the dog. You know what I mean? I had some bad dog experiences in Colonial Manor. And you know, we were slashing tires every morning before school. And when we would do it, I would throw a rock at this, this uh, German Shepherd every morning. And I'd run and he'd be stuck on a chain. One morning, I took a big rock, I busted this dog upside the head, and it broke free of its chain. It was like Cujo. I'm looking back. I wasn't the fastest, you know what I mean? I climbed on top of the car. This thing is like, I'm going to eat your lunch. And I was, and it scared me. To be honest, I still don't, you know, me and dogs are working on it. So when I saw the dog, I'm apprehensive. I'm like, oh, snap, this thing's big. And I'm, I learned, you know, I'm trying to teach my son that not all dogs are friendly. You got to come underneath and submit. So I put my hand underneath the, this, this boxer and the dog cowered and, and hid in the corner. Like, like, I didn't do this. I was just like, I'm scared. We were just like, How, who's going to win the fight? And I'm like, yo, what's wrong with your dog, bro? He's like, yeah, he was beaten up all the time. And we just rescued him. And he's so traumatized from being beat up that he doesn't even know how to respond normally. You know how many Christians I meet that are so traumatized from being beat up over the years that they don't even know how to be they don't even know how to be free anymore. They look at me like I'm just gonna hurt someone. Man, I'm not even like this. They don't even know how to love one another because everything comes back to just you're always just scared you're gonna be hurt. And we gotta let God free us and heal our heart so we can respond to Him in purity and holiness contrite spirit God will never deny let's stand we're going to pray you know something You're, God's going to show you his goodness in the days ahead you mark my words man some of you might have come in here you find you're not even sure why you're in this meeting I'm telling you God is after your heart he has put you here this morning because he's going to bypass everybody and touch your life he brought you here this morning it's a different morning. I mean, I'm like, you know, I'm, I, I'm just like sharing these two things. I'm not even like going crazy about it. But God wants to show you his goodness and his power. And you will give everything to that in your life where it's about to be changed by one glimpse of him. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. I thank you for your goodness that transforms our lives. Lord, I pray that we would see you do everything we can to see you again, to get a glimpse of you, to touch you, to see who you really are. Father, I pray this morning, every person in this place, God, I pray a blessing would rest upon them, that you would speak to them, that you would visit them, that your goodness would go before us. God, let us see you in ways we never have before. God, we thank you for your display of power. Thank you, Lord.
Come on. I'm seeing this week that God is untying battles. I feel like I feel like He's going to be going before you in conversations. I feel like family issues are going to be healed. I just feel like the goodness of God is going to invade your life this week. And our response is just more of God. Just give everything to Him. Father, I thank you this morning for your presence, your power, your safety, your goodness upon us. I thank you that this week we will see you in greater measures. And God, I pray your bloodline around every single person that leaves this place. I thank you for protection over every car, over every foot, over every, everybody that walks out in this weather. God, I thank you for your hand upon us. In Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord. Amen. Bless you, friends. Love you guys. Thank you for being here. We'll see you next week. Come on.